Blog Talk Radio. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. Yes, y'all. We are back. We are back. The ladies of Let's Chat are officially off break. Hey, T. Hey, Lisa, girl. How you doing? Girl, I'm so tired, but I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Glad to be back in the chat room. Absolutely. I'm feeling you on that tiredness. I just ran in here and got on the air. You know, nothing, nothing, something just don't change. <laughs> <laughs> yes, girl. You know your eyes get to burning. That's how mm-hmm. tired I am. My eyes is just burning. I know how that is. You know, I have um, this script I'm working on, and I'm trying to finish it before I'm on vacation. So I'm burning that midnight oil right along with you, girl. <laughs> Girl, I'm so tired. But we appreciate everybody that has been waiting for us and waiting for us and saying, did I miss y'all? No, you didn't miss us. Me and T have been on break. (laughs) Yes, a much-needed break, girl. (laughs) Yes, don't no grass grow under our feet over here on Let's Chat. Trust and believe that. We appreciate everybody that's tuning in with us tonight. We're going to have a good old time. I'm so super excited. We're about to go all the way in. Our topic today is, can deal breakers be broken? Can a deal breaker be broken? All right. Indulge us, Lee. You know, your topic just be amazing me. I'm just asking, can a deal breaker be broken? You see what I'm saying? I think that Mm -hmm. a lot of times we, we have these, preset expectations. We always talk about that on the show. We always have these mm-hmm. preset expectations for everything, which which is where deal breakers come from, because you have a preset expectation of what something's going to be, who, who something's going to be, how something's going to be. Mm-hmm. And then when it's not, it's like, oh, well, that's a deal breaker because 
you know, I expected this. And that's fine, but that's mm-hmm. not the reality. You know what I'm saying? You wasn't thinking about the reality of what it was. You were thinking about the reality of what you want it to be. Right. And especially, especially when you have to involve other people because they may not be on that same train as you. So when it comes to other people getting involved in whatever deal you're trying to, to broker, oh, yeah, there can be some breakers there. Absolutely. And, you know, we're, we are imperfect people. Nobody is perfect. But for some mm-hmm. reason, our imperfect asses is always expecting perfection from other mm-hmm. people. We're always looking for things to be perfect, even though we're unperfect. But the problem is we're looking for them from other imperfect people. And in that same realm, you start to judge. I, I, for one, I don't judge people. They are who they are, and it's not for me to judge. And it's, I'm, you know, Lisa says, you know, I'm very accepting. <laughs> so I just deal with whatever you present to me, and I go on about whatever it is I got to go about doing. Exactly. And I'm like, okay, so if you're not perfect, but you're looking for perfection from somebody else, mm-hmm. you do realize you just not only did you set, it's not that you set the other person up for failure, you set yourself up for failure. Oh, yeah. Big time. Because they just don't mesh. There is no purpose. There is nothing perfect in this world other than God. Exactly, and well, you can't it. have a preset expectation for something that you don't know, something you never mm-hmm. experienced. And like you said, when you put other people into it, everybody is different. What works for right. you or somebody else may not work for the other person. Um, I okay. love to hear um, Sarah Jacks. I love to hear her speak. And I said mm-hmm. the other day, I'm gonna have we gonna have her on the show for a mind, body, and soul set, segment because mm-hmm. I love what she says, and mm-hmm. you know she talks about uh, on one of her videos, I don't know which one, but she talks about how when somebody else goes to the next level, you shouldn't feel mm-hmm. the way. You should know that that's like a stepping stone for you. But what works for them is not going to work for you. And that goes in anything, whether it's relationships, whether it's uh, being an author. What works for Mm -hmm. other people is not going to work for you. You have to always find your niche. You have to always find your lane. And you have to be comfortable Mm -hmm. in it as well. And and know what you know about yourself that I know I'm going to be okay. You have to have that trust, but you got to trust your own talent and trust your own skill. And I think a lot of times we fall short of that. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so true. And that's a mouthful because that's just life in a nutshell. Um, so I'm going to have to check out her videos. You know, I've been seeing you posting these these shows. I'm like, oh, Lord, Lisa giving me other stuff that I need to be watching. <laughs> <laughs> I always do that. I post, like, to me it's kind of like speaking into the universe. Those are, like, the people that I want to have on the show. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, if I post, because, you know, when you post stuff, people get notifications when you share their stuff. So I'm like, if I share it enough, they're going to get a notification that I shared it. Right. <laughs> and they'll come knocking. 
That is so true. That is so true. But, you know, Misha and I always get going. We act like we just sitting here with just the two of us, and we don't know if we have new listeners, new viewers into the show. Just to give you guys a little synopsis of what we do here on the chat, we celebrate literature the royal way, no matter what it may be. And not just literature. We've had musicians on. We've had um, publishers, singers, artists, anything that's dealing with life in general. We have had them through the doors of Let's Chat. So make sure you guys go check out our archives. They are rich in talent. But our show allows all avid readers and everyone associated with those uh, jobs that I mentioned to interact in an intimate, fun, and friendly environment. We love hearing our guests' passion for what it is that they do because we never know who their passion may touch. That just may have an inkling to, to know what it is to get to what they want to be and what it takes to to keep with that that passion. And like we just said with our topic, you know, deal breakers, you have to have those in place because you may have to detour from whatever it is that you're trying to get to. So so make sure you check out our archives and we are so happy that you guys have joined us tonight. And once again the ladies of Let's Chat are back. We appreciate you guys. Yes, we are we are excited. We're gonna take a brief break. And we will be back in the chat room. We're going to play a little bit. Uh, let's play some. We need some new music. Shout out to everybody that sends us music. Mm-hmm. We're going to play some Miko. We're going to play Miko because Miko is working on his album. Shout okay. out to Reese, uh, Rick Ross uh, Music Group. Mm-hmm.
Are you an author looking for promotional services or a reader looking for a great read at low prices? In this competitive world of books, Writing Royalty Promotions is dedicated to bringing authors and readers together to build a greater respect for literature through our various promotional services and online bookstore. So head over to writingroyaltypromotions.com and check us out. You are now tuned in to the mother and greatest Yes, we are back. We are back. Welcome to Let's Chat. The ladies have been on break, and we are back now. We are excited about tonight's show. We have three fabulous authors on. We're about to talk everything from relationships to books, publishing, writing, and more. I'm super excited. Today, our topic is can can deal breakers be broken? Everybody just ponder on that. We got our first guest. Jennifer, I call her Jennifer okay. Slay, y'all, because she is an awesome, awesome author. I met, we met her at the um, Atlanta Kickback, and mm-hmm. she's a Canadian author. But just her whole like aura is just awesome, just awesome. But can't wait to have her into the chat room. Let's get her in here. Okay. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm well. How are you? <laughs> Welcome to this chat, Jennifer. It's good to talk to you once again. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this all day. We're happy to have you. Thank Absolutely. You. Now, for all of those that are not familiar with your work, tell everybody a little bit about your your literary journey and your book. Okay, great. Well, I am an author. I wrote a book this last year. And it came out of some difficulties that I was experiencing for myself. And um, then I kind of took a look at how I've helped my clients because I've been a social worker for almost 20 years now. And I just kind of combined everything, did a lot of meditation, a lot of prayer, and I wrote the book. And here it is. Oh. Kind of my journey, how I got here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, what was going on in your world um, you go from being a clinical psychologist to an author. What was going on in your world that you felt like writing this book was a necessity for you and readers? Well, I went through a divorce, and so um, my divorce really shook me because, like most people, when you get married, you don't expect that it's going to end. And so um, the way I was raised was like, you're, you're married, and that's it. You just stay married mm-hmm. forever. So when my relationship ended, that wasn't part of my plan. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I had to figure out how am I going to deal with this? I had three children. Um, and how, how, how was I going to raise them? How was I going to face my community? How was I going to – just a lot of stuff, a lot of looking at myself, really, and, and not really looking at the big picture. It's not the end of the world. Um, and how was I going to cope with it? So it was just a lot of, it was an emotional journey for me. Um, a lot of mm-hmm. emotional growth happened over the last few years for me. And, and I wanted to share that because I know in speaking with other people, other women, they're going through the same thing, but nobody's really mm-hmm. talking about it. And so I just wanted to provide people with a little bit of hope and, and some inspiration to help them, hopefully help them get through it as well. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, Jennifer, this is Tony. And in, in your pursuit to, to 
bring forth this to other women that may be in the same um, situation as yourself, what was the biggest takeback for you personally that you learned about yourself in that journey? That I am strong. I am a strong mm-hmm. woman. <laughs> and so that that is something that I took with me and, and that um, everything is about perspective. So if, if you think it's the end of the world, then it's going to be the end of the world because that's your perspective. If you think that there's some hope and you can get through it, you will get through it. So it's all about mm-hmm. your belief. What are you believing? What's your perspective on things? And sometimes we have to really take a look at it and, and just move forward, have some hope and move forward, just keep moving. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I so I so um, understand what you're saying. This is still funny. We're going to try to introduce ourselves because we've been told that we sound so much alike. So it may be a little, you may get that ear towards the end of the interview. Okay, that's all okay. we have to But in that same realm, like you said, you know, when growing up, you know, you do expect to be married for until the end, and I'm not sure how long you were married, but the biggest challenge that you faced once your divorce was final, was it as frightening um, as, as you know, was it like an eye-opener? Oh, I didn't expect this. I didn't know that this can happen. What was the most challenging thing that you had to face? The most challenging, I think the most challenging thing was just watching the pain that my kids went through because um, oh. my ex and I, we just... Um, a lot of the choices that we were making, to, especially towards the end of our marriage, they were very selfish choices. And so to see how that impacted on my children was right. really tough. That was oh, really, that really tough. That can be heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you, and then you end up living in that world, well, well, what if I did this and what if I did that? And then this wouldn't happen. And the, all those what ifs, and you just can't mm-hmm. live in the what if land because, <laughs> because you'll drive yourself crazy. So. That's, so I think that was true. probably one of my biggest challenges is is just watching what how the choices um, that I made um, impacted three other people, three other little people that didn't ask for it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And being moms, all three of us are moms on here. When our children hurt, it just hurts us tenfold. Yes, yes. Yes, and especially when you feel, because at the time I felt I'm causing all of this pain, right? And so when you, it's one thing when your child is going through pain and someone else has caused it, then the mama bear comes out and you protect it, but when it's you, mm-hmm. like, oh, mm-hmm. God, oh, my goodness, you know, so it's it's a little bit tougher. It's a little bit tougher. That's true. Absolutely. That's now, when you mm-hmm. guys, when you went through your divorce and you decided to sit down and write the book, did you speak with him about um, your choices to sit down and write a book like that? No, not really, because the book isn't necessarily about our relationships. It's more mm-hmm. about um, different different things that you can do to help your mind, your body, and your spirit, because there's a connection with all three, right? Mm-hmm. And if there's one mm-hmm. area, if there's one area that's not, functioning well, it's going to impact the other well, the other areas. For example, if you are not sleeping well and you're not taking care of your body, you're not eating well, that mm-hmm. is going to impact how you think and how you process information, right? Your spirit is going to be low, right? Mm-hmm. So everything impacts everything. And, and when there's a nice flow in between your mind, body, and your spirit, then that's when you can live happy and that's when you can live your best life. 
Mm. Wow. Absolutely. Now, are you living your best life right now? Do you feel happy at this point in your life based on what you've I, gone through to get to this point? I am. I am. And, you know, and the thing is, the nice thing about it is that when you make a decision to be happy, to live happy, and to make positive choices for yourself, then when bad things happen, you're able mm-hmm. to face them. You're able to put them in perspective, right? Like I, like mm-hmm. I was saying earlier, it's all about perspective. So when we're able to just take a look at things for what they are, in the book it talks about a little bit about um, separating facts from fiction. So sometimes mm-hmm. the same situation will come to us, and we think it's the worst thing in the world, like, oh, my gosh, how am I ever going to get through this? This is the worst thing that could ever happen. But when you separate the facts from fiction, what, what's really going to happen here? Like with my divorce, for example, so you're divorced, Jen. What, what, does that mean that your life ends now? No. Mm-hmm. You still have your kids. You still have your family. You still have your career. You have everything. The only thing different now is that you and your ex are no longer together. Right? Mm-hmm. So we are living mm-hmm. separate lives, but we have to coexist for our children. And so it's just putting everything in perspective, putting facts separating the facts and fiction, and just moving forward. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. Now, and it really falls in line with our topic today. Our topic today is can a deal breaker be broken? Do you think a deal breaker can be broken? A deal breaker can be broken? I think so. I think so because um, – you just have to decide what it is that you want. Like, if you give me an example of a deal breaker, then I, I can put a different perspective on it for you. Can you give me an example of what a deal breaker might be? Uh, I, I left it open because everybody has different kinds of deal breakers depending on the situation. I said okay. that we all have preset expectations on everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. The the things that we put in the deal breaker comes from that. It comes from what our preset thought was, our right. our self thought, and not the reality of what it is, but what we think it should be. And so that's mm-hmm. where everything comes from. When you start saying, "Well, I'm not going to do this, and I need this, and da da da," it's like, but you're not thinking of reality, and you're not thinking that another person is involved, whether it's business, whether it's relationship, whether even right. if it's your kids. Right, right. No, that's very true. And you know what? I would say that in depending, it depends on what the deal breaker is. It really does. I know for myself, um, when when I got married, I had certain, for example, a very strong Christian beliefs, right? And my husband mm-hmm. didn't necessarily, right? And so I thought, okay, well, he, he's still a believer, so it, it's okay. And but then when it came to raising children and choices that we'd make. It didn't. It it caused friction, right? And so mm-hmm. we could have made it work, but it didn't. And so mm-hmm. now, when I look at when I get into a relationship again, that person for me has to be on the same wavelength as me because there's certain things that I'm just not going to argue about anymore. I'm not going to argue about are we going to church this week. I'm not going to argue about are we going to pray together tonight. Those are things that. I'm just not willing to argue about anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, that that probably would be a deal breaker for me. 
But in terms mm-hmm. of anything else in life, it, it depends on the situation. Now, that's interesting. This is Tony, I'm Jennifer, because okay. like Lisa said, our, our topic is can't build because we build bread to be broken. Over a certain amount of time, certain little things that you expect in a relationship that mm-hmm. you tend to let go, those are all little minor deal breakers, and they do add up and, and become mm-hmm. really big deal breakers. Do you mm-hmm. feel that that may have been the case in your situation? You're, okay, that is not as important. I'll let that go. That's not as important. I'll let that go. Do you think that it comes to a point where it's just, it's just too much to bear? You know what? I think if if it's one person that's constantly compromising, then right. resentment resentment starts to build. And when resentment mm. starts to build, then either consciously or subconsciously, that anger comes out. Yes. And that can be destructive in a relationship. So we have to we have to be very mindful of the things that we're we're willing to compromise about. Mhm. Mhm. Okay. So as a result of that, Jennifer, tell tell us what some of your non writing hobbies are. What do what does Jennifer like to do on a typical day for her? <laughs> oh goodness, there. You know what? I am a big kid at heart. Like um, uh-huh. God gave me three boys. And there was a reason for that because we are rough and tumble and we I just like to go out and play. <laughs> that's that's something that I just love to do. I just love to go outside and play. Um and I and I think as adults we probably don't do that enough. We probably don't just yeah. remember, go back to our our childhood when that's when we were happy, when we were out playing. That's when we were mm-hmm. creative. That's when we had these huge imagination imaginative ideas. You know, right. when we play. And so um, that's one of the things that I love to do. I'm also a classical musician, so I love listening to music and playing piano and um, mm. and reading. I love to read. Oh, okay. Please share with us. Who, who Who's your most popular author that you love to read? Because, you know, we cannot read book bougie and all the bougies here on this chat. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I just finished reading um, The Alchemist. Or actually, I was listening to it. I wasn't reading it. I, it was an audio book, The Alchemist, and I loved that book. It was really good. Um, one of my favorite books, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, another, uh, like, inspirational-type books, Joel Osteen and um, Joyce Meyer, because they're just so practical. Um, mm-hmm. So those are, those are some of my go-tos. I love those, those books. Mm-hmm. Now, we had a show not too long ago, lately, about... Uh, audio books and and ebooks or hard yes. copy books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about those? Do you is that your your choice to to listen to audio books, or do you do like a little um, old fashioned paperback? You know what? The only reason that I got into audio books was because um, I didn't. I found that I didn't have time to just sit and read, and so mm-hmm. while I was doing something, I would be listening. But the only problem with that is that you have to listen to it over and over again because there's things you're missing because you're multitasking, at Mm -hmm. least for me. So for me, if I'm going to get the most out of a book, I need to have it in my hand and reading it and highlighting it and putting notes in it. That's that's how I really get things into my brain. But the only reason I listen to books is just when I'm not having time. Okay. 
and Nisha, I think you had a good question that night. Was, did it have something to do with the voice of the audio book? I'm trying to remember what it was, and you hit it on the nail that night. <laughs> well, the thing with the audio book is um, the voice. Sometimes the narrative mm-hmm. voice takes away from the story. And right. it's mm-hmm. just like when the author is writing and you're reading the book and it doesn't flow. When right. when the book doesn't flow, it throws the reader off. So, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you might read a book and it's boring. Um, right. Those dry stories. And sometimes it's, it's dry in the beginning, but sometimes it's just dry all the way through. But it could be like that with the audio book, too. And I know right. that the narrator is just reading the author's pen, but I did some audiobooks read back and then just the Kindle book read back. And the mm-hmm. author's pen does make a difference. But with the audiobook, their voice, their voice and the way they pronounce certain things is a problem. And I think it's because everything is great in your head. Even right. sex is great in your head. Mm. Everything in your head oh. is great. <laughs> so when you're well, reading a book and you are Alba. Have Ildris Alba read the book and you'll you'll be fine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, I'm yeah, he's one of I'm my favorites. I'm just being, I'm just teasing. But you know, I I understand exactly what you're saying because sometimes if the voice, if the voice is too monotone, it could be a great book, but you just can't listen to it because yeah. it's, you it's you, you're just not connecting with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then and then and then also. When you think about it, when you're reading a book, you have to use your imagination. Like, how is this, how is this person's voice? You, you read the description, and then in, in your head you have what it's like. But then when you have an audio book and that imagination, you don't, you don't have to access that part of your brain anymore because someone's uh-huh. reading it, right? So your imagination is kind of squashed there. So, yeah, I, I hear exactly what you're saying, Michelle. Yeah. And also with the book, you can also, you can, when you go, I'm sorry, Lee. When you go back to it, it's like you just put that scene on pause and you just pick up and it's still fresh in your mind the way you originally thought of it when you first started that. Yeah. So, so I'm going to hit you with this question. T always is, she's the one that always <laughs> asks the questions. I'm going to hit you with this question because I saw it in a group. And I okay. was like, oh, my, I didn't know. So the question okay. was, um, Dang, I got to go back and look and make sure so I can okay. get it right. So I was like, um, I, I don't know. And it was all sorts of different answers to it. Uh-huh. But oh, I want to ask you because you are good with, you know, you just, you. I think this would be a good question for you. So the question okay. is, how would your husband's pregnant mistress end up living with y'all? Oh, Lord. <laughs> How did your husband's pregnant mistress end up living with you? Is that that's the question? Right. Because you know how people always say um, if your husband's uh, ex-wife or your wife's ex-husband comes to the door and it's raining and they got the kids and their house burned down and they have nowhere to stay, would you let them uh, come and stay with you? You know what I'm saying? They always have those questions. And so I'm like, so this question was, how would your husband's pregnant mistress end up living with y'all? And I'm thinking to myself, well, why why would that happen? 
You know what? It would, it would, oh, gosh. First of all, I, I wouldn't be able to turn away a pregnant person. And second of all, I couldn't turn away a pregnant person carrying a sibling of one of my children. Mm. But, but it would be very temporary. <laughs> Wait, she said that. I would be looking for somewhere <laughs> for that person to live. <laughs> Preferably the next no, morning. You, you don't think, you know, in all... To be totally serious, one of the things, one of the tips in my books in how to um, strengthen your, your mind and your spirit is to surround yourself with positivity and, and positive people, positive situations. That situation is not a positive one. Like, I mean, to see your husband's infidelity in front of you every single day, growing a life, that, that would be hard on your spirit, right? So, yes, you have compassion and you help the person, but they don't mm-hmm. have to be in your face every day. So I, I would be calling people, say, okay, do you have an extra bed, or what what kind of income do you have that we can figure out how you can live on your own? Because she right. wouldn't be living with me indefinitely. That I don't think I can handle it. There are people who can, but I couldn't. That's a tough pill to swallow, girls. <laughs> oh yes, it is. <laughs> Absolutely. What would you say, T? See, T's been oh. married twenty five years. She's a professional. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! I don't even want to think about something like that. But you know, you you brought up some great points, Jennifer. First and foremost, the fact that it's a sibling of my of my kids, but mm-hmm. I can't see past the infidelity. You know, and it's just it'll be a constant thing in my face. Um, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be. I would be a mess. I would just be a total wreck. You know, there's just certain boundaries you just don't cross. I'm, like I said yeah. at the top of the show, I'm very accepting of a lot of things, but you just got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> yeah. We could find you a relative or something. You <laughs> know, after, after the last few years that I've had, I've come to understand something about infidelity. Like now we're going a bit off topic, but in terms of infidelity, it's a symptom of something bigger. Right, exactly. so, so it's, it's not it's not something that necessarily has to be a deal breaker. It doesn't necessarily have to end your marriage, but mm-hmm. it, it is something that has to be looked at because there's something someone's missing something if they're going to step right. out. Right, so it's just a right. symptom of something that's bigger going on, mm-hmm. and it needs to be and addressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially if there's a pregnant mistress knocking on your door. <laughs> It's so I many definitely levels agree. that. It's so many levels. First of all, it's, it's unprotected. So who knows what you have brought back into our home? You know, mm. and, and that, that's just first and foremost, the protection. Don't protect me if you're going to be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you're just yeah. Right. willy-nilly throwing those babies all over the place. <laughs> and and I think that is the biggest thing when it comes, uh, since we all off topic, when it comes to fidelity. I think that sometimes, you know, women, we lose ourselves a lot of times, but I think men do too. I think that mm-hmm. we can lose ourselves in relationships, whether you are a man or woman, yeah. especially in marriages or where there's a family unit because you function in a certain way. And it all mm-hmm. almost seems like it's a robotic movement. Mm-hmm. Get up, go mm-hmm. to work, do this, do that, kids, da 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 da, sleep, yeah, next day, yeah. same thing, same thing. So I think that when it's something like that, there's always something bigger going on. And I think that it can be 
that's a deal breaker that can be broken. I think that mm-hmm. that is something that can be fixed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It might need yeah. work to get fixed, but it's something that it's not something you can't get over. However, yeah. with the pregnant lady knocking on the door, now <laughs> that's a problem. That's a problem, and it's wrong on so many levels. Because first of all, the fact mm-hmm. that you decided to um, step out but not be protected, like T said, that's a problem. Because you mm-hmm. didn't think about me in the process. Right. And you know how people always say, but I love you, but you didn't think about me in the process. And you know what? The thing is with infidelity, it's a selfish act. No matter how you look at it, no matter what the reasons are, it's selfish. You're being uh-huh. selfish. You're not thinking about anybody else. You're thinking about you and what you want, right? And so... Yeah. It, that's just a, a consequence. Having a pregnant mistress is a consequence of that, that selfishness. Absolutely. I so agree. <laughs> and I don't want to see it in my home on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> Not even for a night. My book is really good to help um, individuals that are feeling like they're lose, they've lost themselves because it does talk about each area, like the mind, the body, and the spirit, and it gives strategies and tips in how to enhance each area of your life, of those, of those parts of your life. And I think, when, like I said before, when you're operating fully in your mind, your body, and your spirit, then you are a happy individual, and happy people do good things, Right? When uh-huh. you're miserable and sad, then then you don't necessarily. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And tell where they can get your book. You can get my book from my website at www.jenslay.com, but you can also go onto Amazon. It's on Amazon.com. And I actually have just been featured in another book, it's called Dreaming Big, Being Bold, and they're inspiring stories from trailblazers, visionaries, and change makers. And that is also available on Amazon. Um, it's volume three. I am now an internationally best known, our best selling author. So, awesome. Well, Congratulations. Yeah, it was just released this week. It's, it's been awesome. It's been an awesome couple of months. When you follow what God wants you to do, Amazing things happen. I just, that's all I can say. Amazing things happen. Wow! Congratulations. That's Thank wonderful. You. Thank you. Wow. So you know, here on Let's Chat, we always like to talk that talk, but then we like to get fun. And T always comes up with the <laughs> best fun questions. So I'm excited to see what fun questions she has for you today. Oh my goodness! I'm scared of y'all and your questions. <laughs> If you got some pearls, you might just want to go ahead on the question now. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go easy on you, Jennifer, because it's my first night back. I got to get in my groove, and you're going to get me going. You got to get my creative juices going. So this is going to be an easy one for you. What is the one thing you wish you could do if given the chance? See, that wasn't too bad, was it? I can get I can get a little little undercover, but we're gonna go easy so far. We're gonna ease into this. Okay. So the what one is the thing one I, thing you wish you could do if given the chance? Uh, you know what? The one thing I wish I could do would be skydiving. Oh. 
I didn't expect you know that. Ever since, ever, since, ever since I was a little kid, I always would close my eyes and imagine myself flying because I would look at birds and they just looked so free. And so oh. I would love to feel that feeling of just skydiving, but I don't know if I don't know if I can face that fear. I'm jumping out of a plane. <laughs> wow, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I got it. Right that was that Huh? What did you say, Leash? I said we've never gotten a skydiving one. That's a good one. Yeah, I had to write that one down. <laughs> Play, play in that sky drive, sky diving. <laughs> oh man, if I if I ever do it, I'll make sure to let you know. <laughs> Absolutely, and write about it. I Absolutely, will. I definitely will. <laughs> and do you have so? Do you have any events coming up or book signings coming up? Oh my goodness, I do. So on. Saturday, this Saturday here in London, Ontario, they're um, they're having an author event, so I'll be there, and I'm actually giving a half-hour talk on how to finesse your life, so how to skillfully manage oh. and um, enjoy your life. And then um, the end of the month, I will be at an event here in London again, dancing with the Easterfield Stars. So it's it's a spin-off, dancing with the stars, but it's for a fundraiser, a specific fundraiser here in the city. And then in October, I'm going to be in Connecticut. We're just trying to to figure out the, the logistics of, of that, but I'll be at an event um, with my books and signing books there as well. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's awesome. Well, we hope, you know, we, we like we said at the top of your interview, we met you at the last back, and we hope to see you back there as well. That was a great yes. event. It was an amazing event. Amazing event, well organized, and the ladies that were running it were just awesome. So I just want to give a shout out to them because they were great. They really were. Yes, they are. Five, five, six, book six. Follow. They are doing some amazing things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll be there next year. Excited, you know. T and I, we really just started doing events, and so it's we've met so many awesome people. Um, at these events we've gone to. And so it's just been a really, really great experience for us. But, Jim, before you walk Mm -hmm. out of the chat room, we want you to shout out all of your social media so those that want to connect with you, they can. Okay, awesome. So the best way to get a hold of me is my email, info at jenslay.com. And then I'm on Facebook under Jenslay. I also have a Facebook group. Uh, it's finesse, and it's a great group. It's just a, a group where you can really be celebrated for your wins and encouraged when you're feeling low. So um, mm-hmm. there's that, and I'll make sure to send these to you, and, and you can post them maybe. That that would be helpful. And then my website is www.jenslay.com, and I'm also on Instagram at Coach Jenslay and YouTube. Just type in Jennifer Slay and LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I think that's all of them. <laughs> so it's such now, a when you say Jim, <laughs> Jim Slay is Jim with two N's and one N. One N. One N. One N. Yeah, I have a friend that calls me one N Jen. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. Wow. Thank you so much. So you guys, you're yes. based in New York, correct? Say that again? Yes. You're based in New York? No, I'm in New York. Leisha's in Atlanta. 
Okay, okay. Well, I'll make sure. I think I'm coming out to New York in the next few months. If so, then I'll make sure to give you a call. Absolutely. Well, I hope I'm not in because Lisa and I have an event next month in Atlanta as well. A big event coming up on our, the weekend of the 20th, I believe, Leisha. Uh Yes, mm-hmm. I'll be in um, Michigan the first week of um, October, and then T will be here later that month. Okay. So what's going on in Michigan? I'm actually moved from Michigan down here. Okay. Okay, cool. And I I really want to say it was, I love the, um, I love it. You know what I'm saying? Just even Mm -hmm. industry-wise, it's so many different people I've networked with. I think in the last (laughs) year, I've met the dopest people. I mean, I've met people that the average person probably would never even think about meeting, and it's just mm-hmm. it's just an awesome, awesome experience just to be able to just be in in a circle with um, movers and shakers. Because people always say, you know, you have to make sure the people you're around is doing more than what you're doing. But when you're actually in the circle of people mm-hmm. that are doing so many dynamic things, it's like wow. Yeah. It's 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 uh-huh. totally different. Well, like uh-huh. attracts like, right? And you guys are movers and shakers yourself, so that's why you're attracting. Well, thank, you. <laughs> well, thank, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. No problem. Thank you so much for having me on. You are more Absolutely. than welcome. You are welcome back any time. Just let us know <laughs> if you want to have a mind, body, and soul segment. If something is sitting on your spirit and you're like, I think I want to talk about some things. Just let us know and we'll make sure we have you on the show. Oh, make that's it awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. You have an awesome evening and joining us here on Red Chat. Okay. Thank you so much. You guys have a great night. You too. too. Good night. <laughs> Bye-bye. Good night. She's just as lovely as when we first met her at the Atlanta Kickback. Isn't she? <laughs> yes, she's she's really dainty. I love it. She's really mm-hmm. dainty, you guys. She is like the best. Make sure you head over to Amazon, one click her book. I love the passion that she puts behind her words, the passion for just being able to help people. You know, sometimes that is just what sits in your spirit, the ability to help people. Mm-hmm. And it just mm-hmm. comes out of her. It's something she enjoys. And it came from a place of her trying to heal herself in the process and sharing right. that and, and healing others. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a good word you use, Lisa, dainty. And uh, I think I asked a dainty question of her. It wasn't one of my usual, oh, no, where did she get that from? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I know. That's why I said, if you got, you got pearls, clutch them now. <laughs> I took it easy. I took it easy. <laughs> yes, it was awesome. It was awesome. And our next guest uh, is author Robert Hag. We actually met him at um, Tracy Boyd's event that we went to back in May in Southfield, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And his whole story is just dynamic from beginning to end, how he segued into writing, what he was doing before, you know, what he writes about, how he gets the, the passion for what he's doing uh, and how mm-hmm. he pours it into his pen. And so I'm excited that he's in the chat room because we're going to have a whole lot of talk with him. Welcome to the chat room, Robert. 
Thank you. I just want to hang out with you guys and be a mover and a shaker. You guys are inspiring me. <laughs> I'm up, no, I'm I'm up just south of Mackinac trying to get ready for the hunting season and and I've got, you know, two books I'm working on right now and you guys just listening to you talk. I'm like, I need to head back south. <laughs> what happened to my well, you're welcome. We we do that sometimes. Sometimes, you know, we've told people they need to write a book, and then they come back on the show, and it's, they're writing a book. So we love it, and we we love it. We love to inspire people, and so I'm glad that we were able to inspire you with our words. However, you inspire a lot of people. You are like a melting pot of information. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you started uh becoming a writer? Well, I was somewhat inspired by my father. Um, He had written a book um, about firefighting. He is a retired Detroit firefighter, and he got the bug to write a book. He uh, very passionate about the fire department, the camaraderie, and everything that went with it. And he kind of wanted to put it down in a story, but he really didn't know how. Um, So he created a fictional story based here in Michigan, um, where a bunch of retired firefighters go to a wedding in a northern Michigan town. And while mm-hmm. they're there, a fire breaks out of fic- at a fictional college. All the firefighters are sent there um, from the area, and the Sheboygan Memorial Hospital catches on fire, and all the retired firefighters have to respond to that fire to fight one more fire. And mm-hmm. it was pretty good. It's real good, in fact. I shouldn't say pretty good. It was phenomenal. Uh, It's going to bring a tear Uh to your eye. And um, when I decided to retire from the Detroit Police Department, I kind of wanted to tell my story. I was a little bit Mm -hmm. bitter at the time. Well, I shouldn't say a little bit bitter. I was very bitter um, Mm -hmm. about everything because I was very passionate about police work. Uh, I come from a family of firefighters and went down that road um, in law enforcement, and I loved it. I would have done it forever. I would have done it until I was 100. Um, I just couldn't do it in Detroit anymore. Everything, the the loss of wages, the loss of our health care coverage, everything. And I was bitter. I was going to write a book. So I sat down at the computer and started banging away on those keys angrily. And I got about five or ten pages into it. And I thought, what are you doing? You loved it. And, you know, why drag it through the dirt, especially with the, you know, the current environment of law enforcement and the feelings toward it. Um, so it's my story. It follows me from the civil service test till the day I walked out the door. Wow. And so and the content that, inside of your book, is it a, a like a mixture of healing for yourself and a little peace filling? Um, you know what? Um, it was extremely exciting to write because I relived my entire career. And I get question, asked the question uh, quite often about, how do you remember everything in it was, my gosh, it just seemed to flow. It just seemed to flow. Now, as far as do I feel better about the department and everything, I don't know. I've been retired four years now, and I think I'm kind of coming to peace with that. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, all the struggles in Detroit. I was born and raised southwest side of Detroit. I've lived there my whole life until, you know, recently. And um, you just hate to see the city struggle. I mean, downtown Mm -hmm. is coming back, but, you know, what about the people in the neighborhoods, you know? And to me, Mm -hmm. that'll always be what Detroit is about. 
it's never going right. to be about a you know a tiger game where the beer is going to cost nine bucks and I can't really afford that. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'd like to see that city come back and I'd like to see the department come back um, because there are a lot mm-hmm. of passionate um, guys and gals out there that want to be the police. So, you know, I, I, I'm sitting here hoping with four years out that it'll change. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Robert, this is Tony, and um, I want to just talk to you a little bit about um, your your feelings and in going into becoming an author. As a result of, you know, being on the police department and that bitterness sets in because bitterness can eat at you, that can be so deteriorating to, to you as a whole if you let it. But as you write your story, did you come to a point where certain aspects of the story of your, your career was more bitter than others? And this, you say, this is where I'm most bitter. What what can I learn from it? What was the most bitter that you when you wrote that story that you felt? Um, it was funny because, like I said, you know, when I went into it, when I sat down to write, um, a, a lot of people will tell you that. Um, and one of my best reviews I've ever gotten kind of describes my writing style. Um, it says that I'm a decent writer and a phenomenal storyteller. And um, that's kind of how I tried to tell my story. But when I made that decision when I first started it to let the bitterness go and not to sit there and to tell my story, it flowed so much better. Now, mind you, I hit some speed bumps there where I started getting – a little bit tense, and I was banging on the keys a little bit harder. I'm going to admit that, <laughs> you know, at certain points. But uh-huh. then the typing slowed down, and I continued on. I mean, every everybody in law enforcement in the majority, you know, in any profession, there's good and bad. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately for law enforcement, you know, the bad are, they wear a uniform. So, you know, they drag us through the dirt, and that is probably – the knowledge that those officers are allowed to stay on the job mm-hmm. is probably one of the most upsetting things to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of that's in the book, some of it isn't, but, you know, I, I've always told myself one of these days I'll write the scalding tell-all, and then there may be that super-duper cleansing thing, but, you know, I just wrote my story. <clears throat> Excuse mm-hmm. me, I just wrote my story, and, and I enjoyed it. I really had a blast. Absolutely. And outside of your passion for law enforcement and writing, you have just a passion for learning the industry and understanding um, publishing. Now, we always say here on Let's Chat, you know what you know because you know it. You know, you have to have an understanding on everything you do, whether you're signed to a, a publisher or not. I think that understanding every element of the industry is very important. Talk a little bit about why you decided to self-publish um, and the things that you've learned throughout your journey. Well, um, and it's a comparison to police work because when I first got on the job, I was a rookie officer. I grew up in southwest Detroit. I thought I was street smart, but I wasn't criminal street smart. I mean, I got I, I got had plenty of times when I first started. You know, I didn't know anything. They train you, but, you know, it's it's an experience. You have to learn the job by experience. And I think everybody who's put pen to paper or put it on a computer to write a book learns that lesson quick. 
Um, I started with a publisher initially, but what I learned over the course of four years is the only person that's going to sell my book is Bob Haig. You know, if I'm not there, if I'm not out on the street active with it, if I'm not on the computer with it, you know, on the internet with it, if I'm not knocking on doors at books, um, at, you know, uh, brick and mortar bookstores, um, if I'm not doing that, if I'm not doing shows, I just did one in Mackinac, that book's not going to sell. And I think that's the, that's the biggest stumbling block for many authors, you know, because they write the book and they just think they can throw it on Amazon and, you know, it's going to sell. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I decided to go self-published because, you know, I didn't write any of my books to get rich. I mean, I think we all hope we can, and I we all hope it's going to be a bestseller, but, um, you know, that, that's, you know, that, that percentage has got to be just so, so small. But if I'm going to get it out to the public and spread what I've done and what my story was, you know, I'm going to have to put the effort into it. So um, if that I'm going to do that, I should be making the lion's share of the profit on the book. And I found with a a publisher, it just wasn't there. So if I'm going to put the effort in to sell it, I should get the the biggest piece of the pie or at least a bigger piece. Mm-hmm. That's true. Here on this chat, we always say writing a book is 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 a piece of cake next to getting it out to the to the hands of the reader. The real work starts when it's ready to go into the reader's hands. So that's that's a lesson, and I'm glad you share that with our listeners because it is so true. Coming from Leisha and I, it can resonate in one area, but coming from a true author that has gone through the trenches, they can be received so much differently. And I just try to, I you know, like meeting you ladies. Um, I was at the Mackinac Arts and Craft Show last weekend for two days. Uh, there was another thriller officer, our uh, suspense thriller author there from Michigan, uh, Mike Carrier, and um, another author. And I just try to sponge off them. I go, I listen, I try to. And, and I, I, I guess what bothers me the most about authors is why don't we help each other? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you ask me a question, I'm going to give you all I got, and I'm expecting the same in return, you know. Um, right. Whether you're in the same genre or not, I mean, we've got to sell our books. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I talk to somebody, who are you published with? Are you self-published? How did you do it? You know, who right. who does your printing? What, what shows do you do? What has been the most mm-hmm. successful for you? And so on and so forth. And, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was four years into it. I feel like I haven't even scratched the surface. I feel like I'm, I've got so much to learn, so mm-hmm. much to learn. Just listen to you guys. I don't, I want to come and take you both to dinner. Let's sit down. Let's talk <laughs> more books. Tell me about authors. Tell me. I'll be there. When do you want me back? I'm. I'll go to Atlanta. Get me on the plane. You, you know you gotta get with. Um, I'm gonna connect you with Book Chick Monica because. They have the 556 Book uh, Chicks is a book club here in Atlanta, and they do Mm -hmm. the Atlanta Kickback, and it's a huge book signing. I think you would love it. I think so, too. We have so much, and last year it was huge. Yeah, because, you know, you learn, and that's one of the examples I did. I did a, uh, you would think for me with my genre, I have my police Mm -hmm. book and I have my children's book, and then I got two more books coming out. You think the police, the National Police Fire 
um, fire and police collector show, the national show would be pretty big. And this was several years ago. I, I called down. It was at a swanky, you know, a very exclusive hotel, great convention center. It was in Missouri. So Mm -hmm. I told him my dad, I'd take him on a road trip. And I went down there and boy, they weren't really selling any type of books. They were, uh, you know, it was kind of like a community thing where everybody went. Mm-hmm. There was a ton of vendors, a ton of mm-hmm. them, beautiful facility, but they were all there to talk to each other. There wasn't a ton of foot traffic, and it just not like I say, that's part of my learning experience. I just, right. you know, I heard that, and I thought, wow, police, fire, collectors, you know, good, go, right. get there. Right. No, it was a long ride back. Book. I, I was dragging my tail when I came back. It was a long ride back. <laughs> oh, Oh, now, Sergeant Hayden, tell me. I was in the, was in the wrong environment. Wow. Well, you know, I'm, I'll be doing Barnes and Noble. What's that? Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm glad you said that because I think we talked about this. I don't know how uh, if you got the beginning of the show, but we talked about preset expectations. So our topic mm-hmm. tonight is: Can a deal breaker be broken? And your deal breakers really come from preset expectations that you set up prior to your experience or understanding what it is that you're getting ready to do. And when it comes to book events, I think that there's always a preset expectation of what they're expecting and what the outcome would be. I always say no matter where you are, networking is essential. It's always a place to network. So, like we met you at the event uh, this past May, and it was a networking for us. You know what I'm saying? Because it was something new. We just started really kind of doing our our live interviews, and I love we love to meet people. Both of us, we love to meet people, different authors, no matter what their genre is. And so being able, even though it's you go to some events, it's light foot traffic. I actually met an author, and he is actually one of my son's uh, friend's father. And he said he doesn't do book events. Um, he he writes like a teen children, uh, but teen. And so he's more on the corporate side. So the book that he writes normally is inside the schools. And he's a, you know, there's a difference between the grassroots version and when you're doing a corporate version or you're on the other side. And I even look at that when you think about stars that write books. The grassroots people, the regular people, they're the ones that buy and read the book, and that's how, you know, word of mouth kind of floats for some authors. But when you really already have a following, it's a difference type of world. You know what I'm saying? I agree Talk completely. Talk a little bit about how, how you feel about that, being a being an author. I, I do agree. you feel like you're on the grassroots side? Oh, I'm definitely, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, a baby kisser and a handshaker. I'm a grassroots guy because mm-hmm. I, I love to be out there. And I, I my attitude is, you explained me to a T. I did a book fair in um, Lincoln Park about a month ago. My expectations, honestly, were to sell five books. This was an inaugural event for them, first time. Um, I knew it was going to be very small, probably 20 vendors. 
um, but the proceeds went to the school system there. And fortunately for me, I was set up right next to Barnes and Noble. And um, there were several other self-published authors there, and I will now be doing the Barnes and Noble in uh, book signing there in Allen Park um, in October. So mm-hmm. for me, I already go with my expectations, especially in certain events. I know what I'm expecting. Um, is this going to be a connections thing for me? Or is it going to be, and I'll give you an example from my end. I do a number of shows. I've done Mackinac twice this year. I'm in Cops and Donuts in Claire. My book is sold there. I'm in probably about um, six uh, brick and mortar stores, um, you know, bookstores. Um, So, you know, I know what my expectations are and what I expect. If I'm doing the Allen Park Street Fair, I'm expecting to sell 50 books there. If I don't, then I start pouting <laughs> just because that's my expectations. So I'll mm-hmm. be, I'll be big lipping around. Nobody talks to me. I'm grumpy just because you put the hours in. I enjoy it because I love to talk to people. And of course mm-hmm. with my genre, I'm either love me or hate me. And usually the people that love you just want to talk now, now and then again, I got to push a person or two away with a stick because they won't leave um, Mm -hmm. just because they want to talk about police work, um, which obviously I don't push them away, but um, you know, that's, that's my expectation when they're at those type of things. I know when I'm going to network and I know when I'm going to sell books. So, you know, but either way, either way for me, honestly, I have a blast. So I enjoy doing it. Mm -hmm. So it's not hard work for me. Right. Mm. Well, we love meeting people, and we love helping people. That's one thing that Alicia and I love, you know, on us chat. And that's why, you know, we have the platform that we have to just allow authors and musicians or whatever it is that you're passionate about to come on to Let's Chat and share your passion so that our listeners can hear it firsthand and say, okay, I want to I wanna follow him. I want to do what he wants. I want to get that book. So we so appreciate you for sharing your passion, and your passion is coming through the wires of us chat so we hope our listening audience are enjoying it and uh, out there getting that one click on or however it is they can get your book and enjoying you as well as we should but Robert this is Tony and I want to ask you one question regarding the, your pro- your writing process now that you've gotten that book out of your uh, that out of your soul what's next for you what's next for Robert um, well, I got a bunch of projects going, and it kind of goes back to what you said about networking. Um, in addition to writing, um, I um, I brought a little of the police department with me. I do, um, which I want everybody to know who's listening, I do uh, free scam classes at local senior centers. I've done them in Detroit, Livonia, Plymouth, uh, Northville. Um, contact me. I will come in, get your seniors together, get the family members of the seniors together and I'll come and cover every current scam that's out there from Mm. computer to phone to pigeon drop to utility worker impersonator driveway ceiling and so forth. So I've got that going now, as far as Mm -hmm. books are concerned, no, there's no cost on the class. So, you know, when, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, I'll send them the information on it. So it gets me out there with the public. And it also, you know, it also allows me to promote the book a little 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, I said it out there at the end. I don't talk about my book, but, you know, if people are interested, they can cover that. Um, my second police book is almost finished. Um, it is going to be about an one eight-hour shift for a Detroit rookie officer. Oh. So the whole book is going to be from on-duty roll call to off-duty roll call. Mm-hmm. And basically what that book is going to be about is every mistake and stumbling block a rookie officer hits. And that is from my true life experiences, and I was a training officer for rookies. Mm-hmm. So almost finished. Um, I'm also involved in, with something called Cop Tunes. It's a cartoon that they're going to try to get it up and running on Nickelodeon. Um, I'm a consultant on that. Uh, and mm-hmm. it deals with the interaction between law enforcement and uh, inner city kids. Uh, mm-hmm. They're trying to improve that relationship and um, it's going to be put into a cartoon format, um, which I do the consulting on. So that's been really fun. Um, they're getting that up and I have a, another book I'm pretty close to finishing. Um, it is going to be kind of a how to I'm working in conjunction with someone else Uh so that citizens from Japan who are coming here to either work or for an extended stay will be aware of all the pitfalls and criminal activity here in the U.S. Wow. So I've got a few irons in the fire and throw my grandbabies in there, and I, I've been busy. Wow. Busy with some amazing things. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and, and now the whole point is, like all of us authors, Let's finish it, you know. Let's get everything tucked in and put it in a cover and get it up and running. So hopefully, right around Christmas time, we'll have two of uh, two or four started. So. Hmm. That's interesting. Now, do you feel that you will write outside anything like novel-wise outside of law enforcement? I think I will. I, I think I'm going to. Um, like I said, I have probably one too many projects going and I need to finish both of those books I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, I have my children's book, so I'm going to do another one of those. Um, But I think I'm going to keep into what I think I do fairly well is the storytelling Mm -hmm. portion. And Mm -hmm. it's probably going to be all derived from uh, my own experiences. So um, like say, for example, I'm getting ready. I'm, you know, I'm an avid hunter. And uh, (laughs) I've got plenty of those stories. So um, if I can stick to being a decent storyteller, uh, I think it's going to add up in a book. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know if I would venture into those waters. I'll be totally honest with you, especially Mm -hmm. like the uh, romance novels or the thrillers. Right. I don't know if I'd have the discipline to do that. I seem to be able to sit down and just write, write. But uh-huh. as far as character development or keeping that storyline together, I don't know how you guys do it sometimes. <laughs> I like to read them. I don't know about writing them. You know, I think uh-huh. I do okay with what I can do, but good gosh, I don't know how you guys keep that up. So it's a, it's, it's a journey I don't think I'm going to follow. I'm not going to head that way yet. Maybe. You never know. You never say never. So. Exactly. Never say never. <laughs> yep. So, Robert, you know, here on Let's Chat, Pete always gives fun questions. 
Like, I'm always excited about what wacky questions she comes up with. So I'm excited to see what questions she's going to give you today in the chat room. Oh, man, Robert, he's giving me a challenge leash. I'm like, I try to grab something from the interview that is going, but I don't know what to grab from his. He has so much going on. (laughs) Oh, man, okay, I'm going to go with the hunting part because you didn't really, you really touch on that, so I'm going to touch on it in a fun way. How about that? Now, if Go you ahead. were an animal, <laughs> if you were an animal in the wood, what is it that you love to hunt, first of all? Anything in particular? Uh, yeah, I'm a duck hunter. Um, you know, I, I, as I've gotten older, my boys are older now, so I bow hunt also. I deer, basically duck hunt is my passion, but I, I bow hunt with my boys. Okay, so we're going to go with duck hunting. Okay, let me see. My imagination. This is my character development, my question development. Boy, that's a tough subject. Way. She's going with char- character development on the duck. I'm ready. I'm free-falling. I'm free-falling I'm, I'm free for, free with this. Now I'm a duck just minding my bitches on the water's calmer. And I see a Mr. Robert, with a, a, a weapon pointed my way, what is it that I, no, you are the duck, Robert, I'm sorry, you are the duck. You see you see somebody with a gun pointed at, at you. What can you possibly do in order to turn it around and make the hunter the hunted? The hunter the hunted. Well, I can mm-hmm. tell you this, okay, and I'm going to twist that question a little bit on you. Because I am okay. a compassionate hunter and fisherman. Oh. Okay? Okay. If that there is any way, yeah, if there is any way an animal or a fish could talk and say one word and say stop, I would probably never do it again. Oh. So if really? I was a duck and I flew in in front of Bob Haig, Mm-hmm. And landed, and I looked at him and said, "Please don't." I don't think uh-huh. Bob Haig could do it. So, I, I don't know. I guess maybe the older I get, the more I wrestle with that because I do uh-huh. enjoy the hunt and I do enjoy, you know, wild game. I mean, it's not right. something I do just for the joy of shooting an animal. I love ducks mm-hmm. and I love venison. So, mm-hmm. but if if you wanted to stop me, if you just had those sad puppy dog eyes. I probably oh. go. I probably couldn't do it. See, now you turn so, my fun question into a compassionate ending to a, a great interview on a on a good note. <laughs> well, you know, all, and, that, and, all and you need is puppy dog eyes. <laughs> yeah, I cannot. I can't. I'm not the hunter that can send you gals a picture of a deer hanging in the tree or something. That's just not me. Well, that's just not that. right. Right, I, 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 don't mean, need, my, I don't need that visual. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, why do, why does anybody have to know what I do? I like it, other people right. don't, so why, you know, if I'm successful, I'm successful. I don't need to wave a flag and toot a horn and tell the world about it. Trust me, that's what I do, and Man. that's my thing. A so, lot of people and you know what, I say that all the time. I say that all the hey. time. It's no need to advertise 
what you're mm-hmm. doing and how you're doing it because people are going to see it. You know what I'm saying? When you have to constantly mm-hmm. advertise, that's because people ain't looking for you. They're not watching you. They're not paying attention. So I definitely agree mm-hmm. with what you're saying. We appreciate you coming to mm-hmm. kicking with us in the chat room. When you finish book two, let us know so we can have you back in the chat room again. Sounds oh, perfect, ladies. Sounds perfect. I will. <laughs> Shout out to Media and Campbell so our listeners can follow you. Um, I'm on Facebook, Robert um, M. Haig. I have a Facebook page for my police book under Robert Haig Police um, Department. Um, mm-hmm. My books are on Amazon. They're on Kindle. They're in a number of bookstores. But I tell everybody, and I've never even been burned by this, and I've been doing it four years, Robert Haig, 165 at yahoo.com. You want to contact me for a signed copy, I'll throw it in the mail, and we'll We'll talk about straightening up when you get the book. Absolutely. So, yeah. Hey, last thing for you guys. You're not going to let my dog mm-hmm. secret go now. You know the season starts in a couple of weeks. Your dog secret? <laughs> You're oh, not going to be going to the yeah, park. You're not going to be telling nobody. the dogs. We promise. You're not going to be telling <laughs> the dogs that all they got to do is give them puppy dog eyes and they're they're good to go. So. <laughs> no. They'll do on our show tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you can spread that secret. The, the, I, the older I get, the more compassionate I get, so it's okay. Um, but yeah, they can. Anybody that wants to call me direct, and I tell this to everybody, if anything I do, authorized. If you're writing a book or you're thinking of writing a book, please do so. And if you need help getting self-published, contact me. You know, if you got a you got a story to tell, put it on paper. It can get published. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of the process because we all went through it when we first started, whether it was with a publisher or otherwise. But go ahead and right. get your word out. So I'm all for it. Good advice. Right. Good advice. Yep. yep. Thank you so much. Okay. I hope to talk to both of you soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks again for joining us. <laughs> okay. We'll talk to you. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was, that was funny. <laughs> Absolutely. He is so cool. He was just, just talking to him at that event we went to back in May. He is just mm-hmm. so super cool and just, I like I said at the beginning, a melting pot of information. So we're yeah. so excited. But as we all know now, it is time. It is about to go down. We got Shug <laughs> Avery up in here. Avery Good is about to come and kick in the chat room door. What's going on, boo? Oh, my God. So I just got back from doing inventory, so please forgive me because I thought my call-in time was at 9 o'clock instead of 8.15. Thankfully, I set an alarm um, because you know me. (laughs) And then, plus, you know, I'm working on – well, you don't know, but I'm working on Head Doctor Part 2. Oh. Oh, yeah. You know, Head Doctor Ooh. Part 1 drops tomorrow. The print book will okay. be available next week. So I'm really excited about that. I'm really uh-huh. excited about that. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm excited for you. Thank you, thank you, thank Absolutely. you, thank you. Now, for all of thank those you. that do not know the fabulous Avery Good, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your literary journey. Um, well, I am Avery Good. I'm from Oklahoma City, old city or no city. However, um, I've been living in Atlanta for the past 15 years. I have penned 
five novels. Four of them are published. Two of them are bestsellers. My first um, novel is Dishonest, and we just did another reprint on that. So now that's um, this is its second run, and it's doing really well. My second and third book are Pillow Princess Part 1 and 2. It's a prequel. And now we've got Head Doctor, which comes out tomorrow, and I'm really excited about that. And I have another book that's actually done. It's finished. It's edited. It's called um, Crying Meadows, but we're not putting that out until January, so I don't even talk about that yet because I don't, I don't know when I'm going to put it out. I don't have a marketing plan for it yet, but as soon as I do, you guys will hear about it. But um, I love to write. I'm all things good. I'm good. I'm good at it. You know, all of that. So that's who I am. I'm crazy. And uh, I don't I think if I didn't write, I would probably die. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, we don't want that. Or, or I'd be in prison. Or I'd be in prison. We don't, we don't right. want that either. Yeah, we don't want that. Jail is not good. Look, I don't want that right. either. Not, that's, not, that's not our ministry. No, no. That's, that's not for us. It's somebody's no, ministry. ministry. Look, it's somebody's <laughs> ministry. It's just somebody. <laughs> so now, you're always open. You're very open with in the in your books with the with the different scenarios you put in there. But even you do lives, and you're still always open just about your life in general. You you don't hide anything. You just you just out there like this is yeah I did it well. It's over now, but yeah, I did that. How how does that feel to kind of step out of your shell and just be so open um, to people and show your imperfection? I don't know if you, well, you said you just started listening, but I made the comment earlier in the show that we are imperfect people, and we look for perfection out of other imperfect people. So how does that feel when you open up yourself and just honestly open up to a perfect world you know what at first I was I was really afraid I think at first to be so transparent and and kind of be vulnerable with people because I used to care about everything that people said about me whether you know it was the way I wrote ate spoke sang talked all of that I it, it mattered to me and then you know one day I had this epiphany, you know, like I pray a lot. And a lot of people who know me, they know that me and God, we got this thing, right? But I spend a lot of time in prayer. And then once one day, God, you know, he was like, daughter, let me tell you something. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. And, you know, everything that I've you've gone through, you went through it. You didn't stay in it, you know. And so I allowed you to come through those things so that you could be a testimony you know, and you can help somebody else come through because the the trick of the enemy is to make all of us think that we are the only people who have ever gone through what we are going through. You know, his key to success is isolation. But I'm just here to let y'all know, let me tell you, there is absolutely nothing that you have gone through. There is nothing that you have experienced that I haven't gone through. And I know if I can make it through it, you can make it through it. And I think because I have made it over certain hurdles, it's a lot easier for me now to look back and then laugh about it because it really wasn't as bad as it was. But, you know, when you're going through something, you can't tell somebody, oh, girl, it ain't that bad because you're in it. But once you come out of it, it's a whole different story. And so, you know, now I'm just like, whatever I've gone through, if I can use 
my mistakes and my journey to help you so you don't have to go through it, I'm all with it. I'm for it. Wow, that's amazing. Um, Avery, this is Tony, and once again, thank you so much for joining us. But You're welcome. In that same realm, being on social media, there is so many things in and out, true and false. But what has been the biggest misconception of you that you've seen and you would just, like, shake your head when you've seen it? Did we lose her? Oh, man. Uh, Hold that thought. That was a good question. We got to take a brief break. She should be calling in shortly. Let's okay. take a brief break. Okay. This your boy, Yo Gotti. Went through a tunnel. 
Uh-huh. I'm okay. so sorry. I love you guys. No problem. I'm not sure how much of the question. Did you hear it at all? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. We, okay, we were talking about, you know, social media and what it can do, and many things you see on social media is not necessarily the truth, but what has been the biggest misconception of you that you've seen on social media and you just looked at it and just shaking your head? The biggest mis- misconception about me on social media? Yes. yes. Um, I don't know if there are any because I think, you know, number one, I, I never front, you know, so you don't, I never put any, look, I'm not, I'm everything that I post to be. You mm-hmm. got that? I don't right. post about anything that I'm not. Um, I keep it real. People know, for everyone who's had an opportunity to be in my presence and see me in, in real life, they know everything as crazy as I am on social media. That's exactly the way I am um, in person. But I think some people, mm-hmm. they probably think that I'm not as approachable or whatever, but once they get to know me, they're like, oh, my God, you are so cool, you know. Mm-hmm. I had no idea, you know. So, but I don't know if I have any. I don't think I've ever heard anything. But I, I, I have heard, though, that I'm a lot, ni- a lot nicer than even what they expected. So, I don't know. Maybe they thought that I was. Really? <laughs> yeah. I get that. I, I see you as yeah. nice all the time. However, I'm going to ask you a question that might not bring out the niceness. How would your husband's pregnant mistress end up living with y'all? Um, well, she was my best friend first. Let me put that out there. And Wait, was that was homeless. just a question. You mean that really happened? <laughs> I'm over here like, what the I was asking a question. You mean that really happened? Okay, go ahead and tell us a story. Did she go through a minute? Oh, no. Oh, dang it, these Just when I was getting good. That, honestly, that was just a question. So I'm excited that to kind of hear, because, you know, when people pose questions, a lot of time it's a what if. Like, what if this and what if that? But when you ask a question that somebody's actually lived it, they've actually experienced it, it's a whole right. other ball game. So I can't wait till she gets oh, out that tunnel. That's a whole other animal, girl. I'm like, okay, is, does this you know something? That's this is a bring it in.
she was so vicious. He would pack all the food out, like, literally. He'd leave her with nothing. She'd just be in there hungry. And so, you know, she was like, look, you know, I really want to get away from dude or whatever and stuff. And so I was like, look, I'm going to help you. We came up with this escape plan. Dude ended up going mm-hmm. to jail, made it easy. She came to stay with us or whatever. She was crashing on my sofa. And um, then I ended up getting locked up. And not, a lot mm-hmm. of people don't know that. But, you know, I ended up, I went to the federal prison for um, bank fraud for 10 months. Now, she had moved, you know, in her own place or whatever. I helped her get her own place or whatever. And so when I left, she had gotten evicted. I had no idea that she had came back to my house and was living there, still sleeping on the sofa, but my ex-husband was there. Y'all, he was calling himself being a pimp. So she started stripping at this club. Then he was going to put her out on this corner, and he ended up messing around with her. Next thing I know, this girl got a baby. Right? Like real life. Like, and, and let me tell and this, stuff like this is the reason why I write. Oh, and I write truth fiction, by the way. Let me just put that out there. There's a lot of truth in just about everything that you're going to read, from dishonest to pillow princess to head doctor. There's some truth off in there. It's up to the reader to decide what they think is fiction, but it's usually the thing that they think is could never happen. That's probably the thing that actually did happen. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, and this is the crazy part, though. You know, like, I had written her, because I was still locked up when I found out about everything. But I had written her, and I told her, I was like, let me tell you something, honey. You know, when you really start to love yourself so much, you're going to realize that Mm -hmm. he don't give a damn about you, see. Because Mm -hmm. no man who truly loves you is going to want you to be with any other man. And he's certainly not going to have you out there selling it, especially when he is an able-bodied working man. Right. You know, like, ask yourself, why would he have you out here, you know, on the corner? He's not working. He's not doing anything. However, when he was with me, he was the shipping and receiving manager for Toys R Us. Mm -hmm. So it didn't matter because, you know, and a, a lot of people, you know, I've lost a lot of weight since you know, in the last three years or whatever, but I was like, it doesn't matter about my size because, number one, I ain't never had to lose no weight to get no date. And then, mm-hmm. you know, two, I've always known, you know, who I was and whose I was, which is most important or whatever, but I teach people how to treat me. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, and that's what you have to do. But, you know, of course, what you just said, teach me, teach people how to treat you. That is so important. Thank you so much for sharing that. that that's big. Yeah, Absolutely. You're welcome. Now that goes to our topic, though. Can deal breakers be broken? Um, it all depends on what the deal breaker is. Like for me, I'm really like a creature of habit. I like what I like, you know. And there's really no. I mean, I'm creative, you know. Duh. But I don't like cigarette smokers, you know. I mean, I like them as people, but I could never just, like, date one, you know, and I mm-hmm. certainly will never kiss you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, would I would I date a man who doesn't have a job? 
Mm, it all depends on how long he's been unemployed. That's true. <laughs> you know, and, and get I mean, it, it really depends on how long you've been unemployed. And then, like, why why were you unemployed? Were you laid off or did you quit your job? Like, I mean, if you quit your job in this economy, I might have some concerns about that. Mm-hmm. Quite a few. That's that's, yeah. That's so, I mean, I think it all depends on what that deal breaker is. Because I've got, like, deal breakers or whatever. But the one thing that I don't do is I don't cross my own boundaries. See? Mm-hmm. So then I can't mm-hmm. let you. Because if people see you, you know, crossing your own boundaries, they're going to feel like, well, hell, she don't care. So why should I? Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do that. Can't do it. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit of what's going to be going on ahead, Dr. Two. Well, in head Dr. One's got a lot of support. And so Uh oh, we didn't get that. Are you in another tunnel? And she deals with clients who have sexual dysfunctions. However, she has a hands-on approach dealing with them. But in this okay. sex therapy. Hold on, Avery. Time out, Avery. We didn't hear the beginning, and this sounds like this is something we need to hear. We couldn't hear Yeah, we're going to need all that information for something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need I'm that. sorry. So, well, Head Doctor, it's a, it's a book about a sex therapist, right? And so Mm -hmm. all of her clients, you know, they've got some sort of sexual dysfunction. However, she's a psychologist. She's not a psychiatrist. The difference is the psychiatrist can prescribe meds. She doesn't. But she has a hands-on approach helping them through their sexual dysfunction. Now, a part of her treatment is she teaches her clients that they have an and, and and then I did my research. Let me say, I did my research. There are people who actually have... Um, aversions to oral sex, and they have these certain philias, and you'll read about you'll read a lot about that in the books, right? Um, but she'll teach you what you need to know. You're mm. scared to give head. She'll teach you. You know, she'll try to help you. Through that. Okay. Oh All right, Doctor Avery. We call in Doctor Avery. You have clients that have stepped into your office. And they are not sexually satisfied. The female is not satisfied and the male is not satisfied. The female is not satisfied because the male is small. And the male is not satisfied because the female is not into it enough. What would you prescribe?
fiction. So right. I'm like, okay, so either you've done a lot of research or you've been to one. Okay, I'm going to ask her this question to see how she replies. I can't wait for her to get out this <laughs> tunnel and come back in here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I hope she's able to come back in. We, we may have to do a part two for Avery Good. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, man, you know I'm ready to download, right, Lisa? <laughs> you say what, see? I'm ready to download. <laughs> Get those I know, because I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I love it when an author is just that create, creative. Creativity to mm. me, when you can take reality and wrap mm. it up in fiction, to me, you can spill so much tea in a fiction book. Mm-hmm. If if your pen is right. You know what I'm saying? Because you can tell right. so many things that people don't know what's true and what's not true. What happened and what exactly. didn't happen. Exactly. And that sounds like what she's mastered, girl. Absolutely. So, you know, we love the one click here on Let's Chat. So the head doctor, Dr. Every Good, has entered back into the chat room. <laughs> Y'all, let me tell you, I suck and not in a very good way. Oh. Like really, because I I, I have just been it. informed that look it's it's not me, but I look I should have been home by now, fooling around, counting books. That's what we were doing, doing book inventory, because we're getting ready for some book events. But mm-hmm. um, Head Doctor mm-hmm. Part Two is really going to continue where Head Doctor Part One left off. You're going to get a little bit more tutorial and. Part two teaches women how to trick their gag reflex because while some men enjoy that, some don't. So, yeah. Oh, so did you hear? You probably didn't hear my question. I said you are Dr. Avery Good, and you have two people that walk into your office, and they are – sexually frustrated in their relationship. The female is sexually frustrated because the male is small, and the male is sexually frustrated because the female is not into it. What do you prescribe? Again? Oh. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) We've never had this happen before. (laughs) We're going to probably have to do a part two with Avery. We're going to have to have her yeah, in, definitely. probably in our, um, <laughs> we actually have a relationship, um, mind, body, and soul segment coming up um, in October. Okay. And we're going to be talking that's about something. That's, that's grandpa. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Dr. Avery, you got two patients that walk into your office. They are both sexually frustrated. The female is sexually frustrated because her husband or her boyfriend, whomever, is small, and he is sexually frustrated because she is not uh, into it. What do you prescribe? He's small where? His penis? Uh-huh. Hmm. Well, size does matter. Let's not even lie because it does. It really does. They, I, I would suggest that they engage in a lot of oral, a lot of it. Mm. But and that's going to be taught in this book too. 
Yes, a lot of that. Oh, it's it's sex in every chapter. Mm-hmm. Literally, mm-hmm. maybe not one. Oh, <laughs> you're so grown and fast. Look at you. <laughs> I am, and I'm and I'm going to another channel. I'm just <laughs> I have a I have a good question for Harley. You know, I've been thinking about her question all day. So yeah, I'm I know. Gonna I'm gonna grab her while I can. <laughs> and we have we love to end it on a good note with a good question. And this has to do with your book. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, for your for your head doctor book, you have your leading lady, the doctor, and I'm sure there's a leading guy somewhere in it. Is it? Is there a leading guy in there? Well, let me tell you, Kalia's a hoe. So a lot of the dudes that she. She is. Oh. You know, she get it how she lives. I mean, she's going to be one of those characters that people love to hate, but she is really promiscuous, but eventually there is one. I mean, she has one who she thinks she thinks she's in love with him, but um, he doesn't belong to her. Oh, and, okay. And, you know, well, she's, she's looking for mm-hmm. love in all the wrong places. So in her life, there are plenty of leading men, especially if they have money. Okay, now. All right. Yeah. Well, but for the head doctor, you know, she she has all. I want as your readers get, read this book, they want this image in their head. You have one actress and one actor for these lead roles, and they have to go through three requirements. Who would that be, and what would the three requirements be for head doctor? And you have to personally oversee the requirements. Oh, uh, did we lose her? How want to requirements, me. <laughs> I want to know the three requirements. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we done lost the leash. We, we definitely got to have her back here. Yeah, um, we have... um a great uh, show that's coming up and in October. And I'm going to have her come back mm-hmm. on that show because we're okay. talking about some stuff. And I think yeah, we, she and plus the book will be out. Fun. The book will be out at least, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, we, did. we can get a chance to read it. All right. Well, we're going we gotta to do a part two with Miss Miss Good because her interview was quote-unquote good. <laughs> But we're going to have her back in. We're going to have her back in and where she can talk that talk uh, all the way through. And it's going to be exciting. So I'm going to bring her back October the 12th, um, see if she's available for that show. Oh, here she is. Here okay. she is. We're going to do a part two with you. Yeah, I'm so, 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 so sorry. I love you. I'm sorry. I promise. No problem. Okay. We understand. It's those darn yes, tunnels. I am we are going to do a part two with you. We actually have like a relationship show coming up in October with a um a actual therapist, a clinical psychologist or a therapist, and I think you will be great on that show because we're about to be talking about some stuff. I would love to do it. And since the book will be out, we could have gotten into those pages, girl. Yes. So the ebook drops tomorrow, 
the print book drops next week. Okay. And where can they get that book before we lose you? Um, um, it'll be available on Nook, Kindle, wherever ebooks are sold, Google, iBooks. They, um, that's for the ebook. And then for all of the print books, they're going to be available wherever books are sold. And if they want an autographed copy, they can get it directly from me. And tell them, um, please, where they can meet you. Oh, my God. Every Good on Facebook, The Good Scribe on Instagram, Periscope, and Twitter. Awesome. Well, we still had fun with you, even though we were in and out. We definitely got to have you back in, Avery. And we got to promise no one quick. <laughs> no problem. No problem. But it was good. It was good. So thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to share with me and myself. Oh, we lost her, Gibby. Yeah, but we're going to have her back on on October the 12th, so I'm excited awesome. for our Mind, Body, and Soul segment. I think that's going to be great. Um, I'm also going to try to see if Bebo can come on. I mean, because we really is about to be sweet about to talk some stuff, and so I think it's going to be really, really, really good. Yes. Well, this is it. This, that is it for tonight's show here on Let's Chat. And thank you so much for joining us. We had some great guests. If you missed any of it, no worries, as we have to say. <laughs> Just head on over to blogtalk.com and click on Let's Chat. And what else, Reese? We're available on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> This is our first day back, guys. We're getting back into the groove of things. We will see you guys tomorrow night. It's going to be going down. We're going to have a great time. We have Keith Kareem Williams in the chat room with us tomorrow. We've been wanting him in the chat room since we met him at the kickback. So we're excited. He's going to be in the chat room with us tomorrow. We're also going to have um, who else is going to be on tomorrow? I'm checking now to see who else is going to be on tomorrow. We got a great show lined up tomorrow. Okay. Honey Bee is going to be on, and it's not Mary B. Morrison, Honey Bee. It's another author named Honey Bee. And I just love her drive. She inboxed us uh, to come on the show, and I love people's passion for what they do. I love people that have drive for the date, you know, that they're doing. And she is that person. Her whole, just her go get, go get her spirit is so awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to it. So make sure you guys tune in tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern time, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Misha and I will be ready, and we'll also have another great topic. Thanks everyone Absolutely. for joining us. <laughs> yes, tomorrow our topic is. When you win some, you lose some. And we'll have uh, author Imani, Keith, uh, Kareem Williams, and Honey Bee on. And we're going to just talk about, you know, sometimes, you know, when you win, you lose. But sometimes losing is winning, too. Uh, and sometimes mm-hmm. when you win, you really lost. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that tomorrow on the show. Awesome. Sounds good. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, everyone, for joining